Welcome back to Friends Like Us. Marina Franklin here, your host. This week on Friends, it's a brand new episode and I have some funny women for you. Holly Harper. Holly is a creator and co-exec producer of Hella Late with Holly Harper on Brick TV, which garnered Holly a New York City Web Fest nomination in 2021 for Best Actress. Time Out Chicago named her popular sketch comedy show American Candy as one of the five groups to watch. Holly works with Gold Comedy and Stand Up Girls, two programs that empower young women by teaching them stand up comedy. And she is the creative consultant for the very successful Black Women in Comedy Lab Fest. Also, welcome back, Tracy Lauren. Tracy is a New York based writer, TV host, actress. She hosted and pinned a very popular internet show called TV Quickie with Nikki. Later, she worked as an on-air reporter for ESPN Mobile, covering major sporting events. Tracy has appeared in several national television commercials for global brands such as FedEx, HBO, AT&T, and Arby's. Tracy's popular web series, Black History Baddies, has garnered over a million views since debuting in 2021. You can hear us on Google Podcasts now, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. Review and rate us on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, that's important. Make sure you turn on the auto-download function for Friends Like Us on Apple Podcasts. You can email us at friendslikeuspodcast at gmail. Instagram is friendslikeuspodcast, and Twitter is friendslikeustin. Become more than a friend. Leave us a tip or donation by going to our Patreon page. Go to Patreon backslash Friends Like Us. Special shout out to our Patreon friends. It's because of you we keep going. And now for our golden friends, you have the option to watch our recordings live backstage. Go to Patreon backslash Friends Like Us and be golden. Merch is available. We have t-shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, face masks, and tank tops. They're all available. Go to marinafranklin.com. Weekly, that's every Saturday on my YouTube channel, I go live with my friends Evelyn Frick and that wacky Dave Chuskow. We give updates to the show, we shout out fans who leave reviews, and we have surprise guest friends stop by. Like this week, we had DJ Eric Prince. Sometimes we even offer free stuff like tickets to comedy shows. With friends like us, it'll help you feel not so alone because more content is on the way. Tell a friend you know to check us out, stay safe, wash those dirty little hands, be nice, and Black Lives Matter. I've got two friends that know each other with Tracy Lauren and Holly Harper. Both phenomenal comedian and TikTok um, influencer. And yeah. No, but seriously, you know what, Tracy, your TikTok. You know, we were talking about this before because I was saying we sh- we need to do this on Friends Like Us. We need to start posting on TikTok. We don't do it because I'm afraid of China. <laughs> but you have gone viral on TikTok. Can you tell them why and what your content is? Sure. So um, I have a couple of shows, web series that originated on TikTok. One is called Black History Baddies, which is basically about, you know, Black women in history, maybe even now, who don't get enough shine. 
We know about the Rosa Parks and the Coretta Scott Kings, and we love them, but there's other people that I felt we needed to know about. So I just started um, doing this during Black History Month, and it just really took off. And I also do a word time, teach people, I call them SAT words, but in a fun way. And so those are really popular too. And just some, some skits. So, yes, I've gone a little viral, you know. <laughs> what do you, why do you, I think that's great though. Cause yeah. why do you think that it's needed? Cause that's usually why it goes viral. Well, I think with the Black History um, stuff specifically, it's just, we're only taught specific things. And of course, right now, it's so important. It's so relevant because of what they're doing in Florida and other places with Black history. And um, they just teach us what they want us to know. Black people were slaves, you know, uh, Frederick Douglass, Rosa Parks refused to sit on the bus. And so there's so much other stuff. I mean, we just have so many fabulous stories out there. And, and with me even doing, I learn a lot myself and I have so many people even professors and teachers, educators who I've never heard of this person. So that lets me know that we need it. I have people of all stripes telling me that they've never heard of this person or that person, people who call themselves historian, um, historians. And so that's why it's important. And I, I feel like I do it in a fun way. Um, it's not preachy or anything, but it's a way that's memorable, I believe. So I think that's why I kind of took off. And so up to now, I'm up to like a million That's views. That's so dope. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I love, I love, it's a lot of work though, because I do everything by myself. I'm telling you everything. So from the writing to the research, the costumes, the, the sets, the props, everything, the filming, directing, it's crazy. And so by the end of the, um, Black History Month, I'm spent. And I usually have to take two months off because it is a lot of work to do by yourself. But it's gratifying. No, but I agree. Like, There's a lot of times you'll mention yeah. someone and it'll be like, oh, who's that? And you're like thinking, what? Like you thinking that's like first, mm-hmm. like top layer, like maybe the second layer. And it's not even that deep. And they're like, really? Mm-hmm. Who's Claudette Colvin? You're like, really? Yeah. The first Rosa Parks. Yeah. She came before one nine days before Rosa Parks, Claudette Colvin did the very same thing, but because she was um, she was like fifteen, she was pregnant, you know, unwed, of course, um, dark skin. So uh, the higher ups in the civil rights uh, movement, they were like, "No, we can't have this be the prop person." Sadly enough, and her mom, who loved her, of course, just said, "You know what, honey, like." Let's let's just take a back seat because it's just not going to work. So that's why we didn't know about Claudette Coleman. And um, back then, very strong, very very strong. And she's still with us. She's still with us. Actually, she moved to New York. I think she's somewhere in New York right now. But yeah, she's still with us. And so um, she was the very first person that I profiled. It was just like on a lark. I was like, you know, it's the eve of Black History Month. I wanted to do something. And I was like, hmm, I did it and people loved it. And I was like, okay, let me do it again. And I just kept doing it. So altogether, there are like 32 episodes or 34 or something like that. Yeah. Really good. Now, has she reached out? Do you th- she oh. hasn't, but you know, I'm happy. Jane Kennedy reached Whoa. out to me this year. Yes. she. I love me some Jane Kennedy. Yes, I did her the first season and you know, she was a, she was a trailblazer. 
first black woman um, to anchor sports like like she did. And just people think of her as like this beauty queen. And, you know, she was very, very beautiful. Of course, it still is. But yeah, she pioneered sports for women, black women specifically. And she reached out and I was like, no, she will reach out because I did a post for her. And there's a famous like, is it is it Jet or it's her and Frida Payne and Eartha Kitt posing together in bikinis in the 70s. And I posted it into this whole big love thing on, you know, IG, Facebook. And she reached out to me to thank me because her daughter is friends with someone Rosie went to preschool with. Like we just happened to see it on the book face. And so, yeah, she's wonderful. She's really wonderful. Book face. I love it. That's what my, my, (laughs) it's great when you do it. No, that's what my uncle called. He called the book face. And I was like, oh, that's that I'm using that. (laughs) That's cool. I like that. Tell uncle I'm going to have to borrow that. (laughs) I love how polite you both were with like talking over each other. You know, sometimes, you know, when I have all comedians, they're just, they don't even care. That was so polite. Thank you. That was such a beautiful moment. You know, I was teaching my son what a blowhard is. And I was like, you ever notice how blowhard, I didn't really understand the term blowhard until I saw Donald Trump blowing real hard when he was like, and I was like, oh crap, that's a blowhard. So I was explaining what, and I was like, I don't want to be the blowhard. Let's save it for a character, not for me. And you don't want to be the person that says, now, I don't mean to interrupt you, but it's like, well, that's exactly what you do. You just or interrupted when they me. think they're being polite, saying, I'm going to let you finish. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's like playing double judge. You're looking for your way to get in, you know, waiting for them to finish talking. It was funny because I was watching The View and they had the original, the producer of the show who passed and they were talking about- Bill Getty. I'm sorry, I can't remember his name, unfortunately, but oh, thank you. Thank you, Bill Getty. But they were talking about how he would get on them about not saying or not speaking. He goes, what are you watching a tennis match? <laughs> we looking back and forth like I need you to speak up. Yeah. And that has always been my fear on panels because I didn't grow up in a big family where I had to fight to speak. So I always and I and I come from like theater background where you have to listen and and be polite. So I fa- that's why when I started this podcast, my whole goal was to make sure that everyone's heard. Mm-hmm. So when I I'm always like very much like don't do that, you know, mm-hmm. and I feel bad because I'm like, let them finish. Because I know not all of us, all of us have really powerful things to say, but we have different ways of coming in conversational ways to say it, you know? And I always felt like the polite way is the best way. The view has always been talked about as being like, these women are talking over each other. You can't hear them. And and it's a very successful show because everyone comes in with their views. But I've always been nervous on panels like that because I like to hear what people have to say. But men do this all the time. They talk over each other. We watch those ESPN panels. If you got Shannon Sharp on with somebody, they just talk totally over each other. But I have noticed that about, they say that the women are always talking over each other. It's like, duh. I think on TV, it's easier though. When you have a podcast or, you know, first of all, we're dealing with connection, um, you know, difficulties and challenges. So if you're talking over each other, it's just hard to cut. You can't cut off when you need to. I think on television, it's much easier to do that, you know, because the person is right there. If you're on a panel or if you're on a panel anywhere, 
Um, I think it's fine. I mean, I think in some place you do have to get in where you fit in. Um, and I think where that is applicable is when you're going to these networking events. If you see someone that you're trying to meet, if you're trying to meet Oprah or Steven Spielberg or whomever it is, you cannot be polite and wait for that next person to finish talking. You really got to ram in there. Now that I've learned, there is a way to do it where you don't seem obnoxious, but you definitely cannot wait because she may walk away. And then, so now it's like, she's gone. What are you going to do? So that's a little bit of, that's an example where I think you do have to jump in, but, um, or when you're defending yourself, if you're defending yourself and someone's saying all this stuff about you, that it's just not, you need to jump in and be like, no, that is not right. And ask for permission. Okay. So but in a panel that's on a podcast or, I mean, even on a viewer, some, sometimes I think when people cut you off in a debate, in your mind, what you have to say is so dope, it's so profound. You're like, I got to get this in. If I don't say this one profound thing, I'm going to die. And then I never would have gotten that up. But I, I promise you, what you have to say is not that deep or profound. <laughs> I do have to admit, one of the funniest Wait, things I've ever seen in my life was... Royal Housewives of Atlanta had the reunion show during the pandemic. And they were all on Zoom. And when they were in that room, usually in those like reunions, Andy can't control these women. Do you know what I mean? Especially from the chocolate cities. He cannot control these women. You know what I mean? But during the pandemic, he would just be muting people. It was hilarious. Yeah. And just to see Nene's mouth running for a full 45 seconds before she realized she was muted. I was like, oh my God, this is too much. This is too much. I love Political debates, and it's like I'm warning you. <laughs> I love when that. Told you you had ten seconds to talk. You know, so I I, I approve of muting. <laughs> I also, you know, going back to your TikToks and why I have this one article in is because of you, Tracy. When you mentioned uh, Shakari Richardson wins a hundred mil, so can you tell me why? Because I don't watch sports as much as like and I was I was talking about it on my YouTube this Saturday actually they were they were talking about FIFA and the World Cup and women's soccer and I just brought up and they were both white right and I brought up Shakari Richardson and and they had nothing to say and I don't know if that's because they don't know sports as far as like running or they just I mean anyway that's a whole nother topic about how white people don't know our stuff and we know all their stuff. That's a whole nother topic. I feel like I've noticed that. But um, so Shikari, a couple of years ago, you know, the, the Summer Olympics, she had one, you know, she was killing it. And she made the team and all that. And then they did a, um, a test, a drug test. And it was discovered that she had uh, some weed in her system. So she was stripped of her titles. They were vacated. And she was kicked off the team. And so, you know, she was... I think she was 20 because I think she's 22 right now. So there was this whole thing where, you know, half the people were like, oh my God, it's just weed. What about Michael Phelps and da, 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 da. And then the other people were like, no, you know, she broke the rules. And, and so that summer she had a really bad streak of losing. She just was just, you know, she just kind of fell at every next race. And she just, and so I felt like the community and I'm talking about our community, did not support her in the way that she should have been supported. Young people make mistakes. We all make mistakes. And what's going on with social media, in this area of social media, there is no grace given. 
And I have a big problem with that. Yes, you know, she's a she's an athlete. She's been training for this. Who's more hurt by what happened? Us or Shikari, who's literally been training for this her entire life. So of course she's disappointed in what happened, but she's also a young woman growing up. Um, she's also a human being. She's gonna make mistakes. And I was very disappointed that there were well-known um commentators who I famously got into an argument with one of them on Twitter. Just going all in. Can you say who it is? I don't, I don't even want to go there. It was on Twitter. But go look it up. But um, um, you knock a wet my appetite and then shut it down. No, no, no. So I got into a debate with Roland Martin over this. Oh, I knew it was him. Because it's always him. I was like, dude, you're a fully grown person. I think we don't have enough space, again, like I said, for grace. And people were honor, honor, honor. And I always was proudly. I was talking to my friends. I'm like, she's young. And I'm a mentor. Too. So I have space to forgive young people and to say, listen, she can come back from this. It's just we. She ain't killed nobody. And she ain't out there smoking crack. You know what I'm saying? Like this, even if she was smoking crack, as long as she's alive, she can come back from it. Right. So I felt like people need to give it a space. Well, fast forward to this year. She's killing the game again. She's winning all these titles. Now these same people are like, oh, oh she can't. no, 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 no. Have a seat. Where were you two years ago when she needed that same support? You know, and so I just feel like it's so easy to be the bullies and to be like, you know, to jump in and beat people up when they're already down. You don't need to beat people when they're down. I don't even care how much they're wrong. And that's what's wrong with social media. Yeah. No space for grace. And I'm sure you guys talked about um, what's her name, Carly, um, last week or whatever, but same thing. He's already downtrodden. Mm-hmm. We don't need to jump in and beat up anybody because they're doing enough of that themselves. Yeah. So, yeah, well, there's a parenting quote, you know, and I look at it in terms of our community that when children are at their worst is when they need you the most. Yes. And, yes. you know, we, when we see young people and they're just young, this is their first time around, when we see them make a yep. mistake that is really not destructive towards other people. It's not mean spirited. <clears throat> Even if it is, they, they need grace. They need help because they still have they to move help. on from this and become a, an adult person. You have, you got to be there for them. Mm-hmm. You have to. She had just lost her mom. That part. Too. That part. She lost her mom. And I was like, I mean, give me a break. And I'm like, and you know, and I've heard, I heard white people talking about it in a way that obviously that was de- derogatory. And I'm like, the thing about us is in our community, they consider us to be fully grown at nine years old. But a white person, if you be 45, getting ready to go on AARP, and they're still talking about their kids, like, oh, he's just a boy. No, he's a grown-ass man. Okay? So we're we're adults at nine. You know what I mean? So she was a, she was a kid, basically. She was a 20-year-old kid. And I'm like, give her some space to make a mistake, to grieve her mother, the loss of her mom, and just to grow up. No, most, most of us will never know what it's like to suddenly be put in the spotlight. Most of us just, I mean, globally, we will never know that. You don't know how you're going to react to finally being in the spotlight. You think you want to know? You know, those of us that are in the entertainment, that are in sports, you think you want to be famous until you're famous. And I think it was Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis said this like 15 years ago or so. She said, no one can prepare you for that. and You don't have any control over how famous you get. Because once that ball starts rolling, it's out there. So how are you going to react to being famous? 
And usually when you're 20 and you're 21, if you get fame that early, there's going to be a lot of missteps. Like for real. And there's missteps when people are 40, 45, 50. I mean, people are still misstepping. So I just think that everybody out there in their little computers, all these incels and, you know, folks that have nothing else to do but judge other people. It's just so easy to judge somebody from your computer keyboard when we know in your real life that you're making mistakes too. It's just that we don't see them. So There's a general like disrespect going on for entertainers, um, people who provide athletic ability. That's people don't seem to, they seem to have a resentment for the ones that entertain you. And because I noticed like this weekend, and I didn't have this in the articles, but I, I'll mention it that Cardi B was just one of the latest artists subject to crowds either physically assaulting them or throwing things on stage as they perform. And like this had happened to BB Rexa. Is that how yeah. you say it? I saw um, that. Who had shared crazy. images of her bruised eye. So, and then there was also, it doesn't even in there, there's Harry Styles who appeared to Winston Payne after being hit with an object during his concert. And the number of comedians that have been assaulted too in the past year or so. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's fascinating. I'm trying to understand what is going on. Is it that keyboard madness or is it also like the pandemic was it happening before the pandemic or is this just we're not we're not able to be out? Because I have noticed like socially, excuse my language, but we're fucked unless we get someone in charge. Like someone needs I don't know what we need, but all these shirts with kindness. Yeah, it, it's it's just out of control. Yeah, it is. I think people also think that they own us. You know, that, that is, again, that's the part of celebrity and stuff. Like, you've watched a lot of these people. You watch them on TV. You watch them on videos, whatever, whatever. And you think you own, you think you know them, you know, and then you think you own them and you own what they do. And you also forget that they are human beings. So Cardi B and, and um, you know, all the people that you name, Harry Styles, like they're very famous people, Beyonce, everybody. But they have a right to privacy. They are human beings. They hurt. If something happens to them, someone dies in their family, they're going to grieve. You know, if, if they lose a job, they're going to grieve. If they Whatever happens. And so I think that people think that money and fame um, just kind of sh sh um, shelters them from everything else and that solves everything. And it doesn't. It doesn't because that's external stuff. That's superficial stuff. So I think that's the first problem. Also, there are some really angry people out there. Um, men are, can be misogynistic. And so the way that they, I don't know if there was a man or I think it was a man that did that to Cardi B, but he's probably the same person that would slap a woman that's not on stage. You know what I'm saying? So, and then you got alcohol mixed into the fray. So, um, oh, Monica had to um, recently take up for someone. I think that. A guy that punched a girl at Monica's concert and Monica jumped off stage and like handled that real quick. So I think that people believe that they own celebrities and they think that they're angry when celebrities want more money. It's just like the actor's strike. I know we're going to talk about that sort of later, but well, you get enough money. 
what? You don't know how much money I have. And are you, are you asking for a raise at your job? Like, what are you talking about? Well, I think it's a couple things too. Like number one, look, I, I do not condone violence and I do not condone corporal punishment, but I do feel like there's a younger generation of kids who never got their ass whooped. You know what I mean? And maybe they don't know what it feels like to get hit in the face with something. Like, you know, because I'm just saying, like, one time I was, I was, work, I was rehearsing with my actors a couple years ago, and they were all much younger. And we, the older ones, were, the Gen Xs, were joking about growing up and getting into fights. And they were like, you know, when you get punched in the face? And all younger ones were like, no. And I was like, you've never been hit in the face? They were like, no. I was like, oh, wow. I'm not saying you should get hit in the face, but I know it's like to get hit in the face. Do you know what I mean? And so, no, I don't want to hit somebody in the face. That's a horrible thing to get hit in the face. And so I feel like you have a lot of younger kids who really don't understand how that feels, how it feels to have something thrown at you or to be hit or to be attacked. They don't understand. Another thing is, I feel like people are too driven to seek attention. People say things on social media just to get a reaction, just to say the most horrible thing. So I feel like we get kids who don't understand their addiction to attention-seeking and don't understand how physical violence actually feels. Yeah, the guy who, who threw it at Phoebe, the, the guy had said he thought it was funny. He thought she thought it was funny and that she would throw the phone back and go, ha ha, like, what? Because I read doing? somewhere that there were some music artists who people would throw them a phone and they would catch the phone and then take a picture and throw it back. Oh, and so that happened a few times. So people are thinking they're going to get the phone and take a picture. And it's like, no, don't entertain that. No. Yeah. Something had happened to them. Like, girl, have you ever dropped I, the phone on your foot? I dropped my phone on my, on my toe one time and real tears came up. So imagine getting <laughs> hit in the head with an iPhone thrown from a distance. That's got to hurt. Well, what are we doing with this protection and security and the contracts that go with artists? Like, how are they being protected? Like, how close? Maybe they're too close to the stage. Maybe the artist needs to... Like, Cardi B looked pretty close to the audience. It was like... And I felt for her in that moment because as a sex worker in her previous... Like, that was her previous career. That must have been triggering for her because I'm sure... She's had to deal with men in the past who've been abusive and thought they could do all kinds of stuff. And I'm sure because I, I, I saw this morning, I think they're trying to yes. charge her. Yes. This person had a nerve to go to the police precinct. I'm like, yo, really? Why did the police even entertain that? She would like, go oh, great. Now you're arrested. Like, I don't even understand. Why would she be charged? That's insane. You know the answer to that. You already know. Money. It's money, woman, woman of color, you know, it's, it's all that stuff. Sex and, worker, demonizing her. Yeah. Yeah. What if Adele get hit and throw something back? They're not going to try and charge Adele. No, they're not. Yeah. Nothing's going to happen. No, nothing would have happened to Adele in, Adele in that situation. So. I'm glad that Beyonce's tour ended. I think it ended last night in Jersey. Maybe it didn't end. I'm going to see it next month in, in Vegas. So it ain't. But I'm just, I'm glad that she hasn't gotten hit so far. I'm really glad because I'll be like, yo, Beyonce gets hit. <laughs> I don't got to say when anybody gets hit, but I'm like, wow, Beyonce, no one's throwing something at Beyonce yet because people getting stuff thrown at them. It's a good, but see, Marina, this is not new though. I mean, think of how many artists have been killed in the past by rabid fans and, you know, stalkers and stuff like that. So I think we have more mm -hmm. access to knowing when it's happening because of social media, but I'm sure this was going on back in the day before all of the proliferation of um, cell phones and social media and stuff. 
because I mean, yeah, I, I went, I went through a heavy metal phase and I went with, oh my God, I'm gonna forget his name right now. Um, Jim, Jim, I'm in a pause, but I, I would go with him to these concerts, Jim Florentine. We'll go to these concerts and I would see, I, I love Dimebag and I was into, I, I forget the name of the group, but cause it's probably like traumatic for me because I was so into them and I, Right, literally right after I saw them in New York City, they did a show, I believe, somewhere else. And the guy walked on the stage past the security and shot the performer in the face. And he shot a security guard, too. He was an ex-Marine, and he thought someone did not say hi to him. And yeah, that was years ago. That was probably about 12 years ago. And I had to say, I like... It was it was hard for me, and I I kind of stopped listening to heavy metal. I don't I don't mean to generalize all the music with that, but it, it it was I I had met him the day before that happened. They were so freaking cool, um, so I didn't know what to do with that. It, it just it, it shocked the hell out of me. So yeah, and you know, I think you have to think about. I mean, listen, I'm not you know famous or anything, but when I would do um, my things on TikTok and stuff. When you look at the comments sometimes and the stuff that people say, it's bizarre stuff. Now, because I have a lot of people on there that really love, you know, love me and they they always jump in to defend or whatever, but I find it very strange. Some of the comments that I get, and it's really like an ownership type of thing. And how dare you do this type of, you know, um, content or why are you doing that? Or why are you saying that? Um, I would get uncomfortable sometimes doing lives on there because you just don't know who these people are. And I, on the very micro level, I felt that, I guess, fear that maybe Cardi B felt the other day or, you know, um, like, yeah, you just feel like you don't have control. So I'm not one that really wants fame because I just think that comes with a lot comes with that. Um, you can't be normal, I guess, live a normal, there, there's a price you pay. There's an exchange, a compromise that comes along with the fame and stuff like that. And so like Jamie Lee Curtis said, we don't really have a, a say over how famous you get. I think you can, you can control maybe your narrative a little bit and you control how much you're out in public, but then that also, I guess, impacts how famous you are. So I don't know. It's a little bit scary what's going on right now. Um, and I don't know what they're doing to protect artists to answer your question, Marina. Like, yeah, they need to, the artist needs to, and I even think that in comedy clubs, every time I'm at a comedy club, I look to see if they have adequate security before I decide how I'm going to come back to an audience member on stage. If they don't have adequate security, I let it go. I, I can't, I can't do my, my funny, you know, comeback right. Right, right, because right. I, I have no protection. Mm-hmm. Especially now. People are very, very, I mean, I, some of it is attributed to uh, COVID, but people are already uptight before, you know what I mean? And that's just another excuse <laughs> to, uh, to while out, but it's, 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 it's exacerbating, I would say, um, just because people think they own you and people have, there's no sense of humor, you know, there's no, um, Someone that is mentally unstable is looking for a reason or looking for someone to 
lash out at. And so um, it is scary. Yeah. When you just said Marina, because they didn't say hi, it's like, what? Because someone didn't say hi? That's kind of horrifying. Yeah. Like, I don't even know what to do with that. This is the only women on the street. Yeah. 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 That was very yeah. triggering. When you said that, I was just like, oh, my God. We have to be careful. Like, yeah, I said, what's up? This guy one time was like, hey, what's up? Come here. I was like, no, I'm good. You good? You good? I was like, yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm cool. I was like. Yeah. <laughs> you said, whoo. Yeah, I am good. That that actually does answer your second question. Yes, to reiterate. Because the come here part, that's what gets me, the come here. Like, ah, who you, but you know, there are women who do the come here, though. Why that's the other do thing. they do that? Don't feed the well, bears. Here. You know. That's don't feed the bears. <laughs> <laughs> We've gone too straight from arena's topics, but we'll, we'll say no. that for another day. <laughs> why, why do women do the come here? I, or they have, <laughs> and they actually were like, huh? Like what? Like what? I have been on the train and seen a comedian harass a woman on the actual subway car that we all know, but I'm not going to say his name. And he was harassing her. And I was just sitting there watching him do it. And she was so uncomfortable. And then I said his name and he totally switched out of that mania that he was in. And he was like, oh, hey, what's up? And I was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? I mean, psycho. Yeah. It's so uncomfortable to have some, uh, like to walk. I know you all feel this when you're walking down the street and you see a uh, like a group of men, more than two, <laughs> even if it's two, more than one. And you're like, oh no. Like, okay, let me get prepared. Yeah. You know, what's my strategy? Um, I usually put my headphones on even if I'm not listening. I usually put lipstick on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that makes it worse, Marina. Ooh, I'm joking. Ooh, I'm joking. <laughs> I, do, I, I do love some attention now. I got to be honest. Now that I'm older, I haven't gotten a cat call. When I even get, like I told you, I did um, Gotham Comedy Club and I came out of the second show and this guy was like, hey, you were amazing. And then he hit on me and I was like, what? Are you are you hitting on me? I it's been so long. Hi. I was so eager for it. But yeah, no, the other situation where it's just like you could tell they are the way they hit on you has nothing to do with um them liking you. It has to do with like rape, uh misogynistic. It's some type of hatred that, you know. I saw this woman, this movie last night called Becky. Uh, the second one, if you get a chance, see it. I know I'm not supposed to like promote shows, but this is like an older show. I think, no, I guess it's kind of a new show. Maybe I shouldn't be. I, I guess we're not supposed to be promoting movies during this strike, are we? Or are we not? I, I'm not sure. Well, I don't know. Anyway. We're not supposed to, but you're just talking about, about a movie you saw. You're not really promoting. Well, yeah, because she's, t- she's, she's, it's so funny because she's taking out men who hate women. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's a funny spin on it because she's like a young girl and she just like finds the list of all these men oh, who snap. hate women and the page and, and how women, and it's just, it's so funny. I loved it. Anyway. All right. Wow. So while I'm talking about uh, the strike, um, we're seeing that. There are some exceptions. Yeah. You know, because there's just like a confusion as to what you can and cannot do. And Viola Davis, 
hit a pause on the new G20 movie. Although she received an independent film waiver to continue filming during the strike, Mm -hmm. because they were doing that, Viola Davis decided to stop production on her own movie to support the strike, which could set the tone for other A-listers. The actress told Deadline Saturday that she was bowing out of her Amazon flick, G20 for now, saying, I love this movie, but I do not feel that it would be appropriate for this production to move forward during the strike, even though Amazon is a major studio. The fact an independent production company, MRC, is also behind it appears to be the reason it got a pass. Okay. So she adds, I appreciate that the producers on the project agree with this decision. It's called Juvie Productions. And I stand in solidarity with the actors, SAG-AFTRA and the WGA. So what are your thoughts on that? I'll go with you, Holly. Well, I mean, more power to her. You know what I mean? I think that's beautiful that she's standing by them. It's weird, though, because I don't think it's right, but I do understand why people would seek a waiver to work. I get it. Do you know what I mean? People want, they need to work. I'm mm-hmm. personally, I, I feel like I, I applaud her for doing that, but I do see the other side. I'm not saying I'm with it, but I, I can understand. Tracy? Yeah. If we, okay, I understand the waiver. Yes, like Holly. But if we have all of the waivers with all of these A-list actors. Because when you think about independent movies, the original independent movie really was independent, you know, yeah. and you were struggling. I mean, there are a lot of like up and coming actors in there or discovering new people, you know? And so now it's just like Broadway that's in commercials that are flooded with celebrities and A-list actors. Mm-hmm. How independent is it really? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And it just, it, it doesn't, it's not a good look if you have so many A-listers that are working, that are actually filmed, it's an op- it's an optics thing too. It's like, because you're going to have people out there who don't really understand all the finer details of it. Right. And so it's like, yeah, I think that once again, a black woman had to lead the way that it was really great that Viola did that because it's going to now make, it's going to shame a lot of other people into stepping down. And I think the more we allow things to work, the more we allow productions to go on, the longer that prolongs this strike. I mean, honestly, I do, because then there's always going to be a way to find a loophole. I just know it. People have their lawyers at work. How can we how can we really disrupt this loophole? You know, or how can we really take advantage, I should say, of this loophole? And well, yeah. before you know it, you got people working out, you got TV shows in production because they found a loophole. You know, I don't know. It may be far-fetched, but it can happen. So I just think that that's I know that's the soaps. I'm sorry. That's what's happening with the soaps right now. Exactly. Really? Exactly. That's what's happening with the soaps. That's a, what, what's happening with the soaps. They brought, brought in temporary writers. <laughs> yeah. Because they have a different contract. The writers, yep. it's something. But maybe you can understand, explain a little better, Tracy, but something about they have a different type of contract, but still the writers are striking. So people like Young and the Restless, I didn't know they were still on. They're just bringing in other writers. They call them temporary writers. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's bullshit. That's bad. Well, what are they doing with the actors, though? Are they under a different contract, too? I don't. That's the thing. I don't know. All I know is they were saying they brought in temporary writers through the writer strike. 
So when I first heard when when I when this when when this, when the strike was like bubbling, my grandmother still watches the young wrestlers. She's ninety six, hey. y'all. She, <laughs> she just you love your grandmother. She wants I her stories. She them. wants her stories. She wants her stories. And when I first heard about the strike, I said, "Uh oh, grandma." I was like, uh, pretty soon your stories are not going to be, you know, they're going to be reruns. And she was like, oh, why? So I was trying to explain it to her. And I think that the soap operas would really be the ones that would suffer the most. Um, I'm not saying I agree with the, the the temporary workers coming in. I just know that soaps would not survive this strike. Like, okay. because they're, they're barely hanging on right now. <laughs> you know, so um, I don't know, guys. How long do you guys think this is going to go on? These, these both strike. Oh, I have a, I, I think, and I love that you, you said that about like, um, the loopholes. I never really thought about that because that, that's so important because I, I mentioned in a previous episode that the Game of Thrones sequel, the House of Dragon, mm-hmm. they are still filming okay. for HBO Max because it's done in the UK. They have a separate union and legally, the actors cannot strike because they would be sued because there would be breach of contract. Right. So there's that sort of loophole for the United States to go, well, we'll just go international now. Exactly. You see? And so like Netflix kind of gets around the strike in a way because Netflix is an international brand. It's yeah. not it's global. It's not just they have. I still get shows just because I watched one show in in Russian. Now I'm getting like Russian shows, and I'm like, no, I I, I don't want to like do that all the time. I just like this one show. Come on now, yeah. Do you know who I am, please? Hey. But they can get around that. Whereas someone like, I guess Apple TV can't really do that. Um, I think Max is trying to find out a way how they can get around it. Uh. You, you you see them going, we'll just go to, we'll go to England. Yeah. Forget America. Forget these American actors. Yeah. Forget these, these American actors who aren't, by the way, these, especially the American black actors that aren't as good as the British black actors. So they think. Get it? They this think, is what yeah. they do all the time yeah. in different ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think the strike will probably become... You can feel the pain of it because they're trying to do this right now. You can feel that it's really hurting people's pockets. It is. And then in September, it's going to really hurt the executives. And they've mentioned it in Bloomberg. They've mentioned it in articles that Disney specifically is really suffering. They've so, they're selling ESPN. They're, they're, they're going to shut down their Marvel content because not enough people, they don't really go to it they the new content the new shows they can't really justify they can't really they say they can't afford it right so disney's going to be really hurt in september Uh and and all of these other like extraneous streaming platforms are going to hurt and the stock market as it is right now you could see that they're just kind of coming back from this inflation and the pandemic and this and the shareholders are starting to get invested so I think September is going to be an interesting month where we'll, we will hear either way it goes, if it's going to yeah. continue or not. Yeah, I agree. I heard October. Yeah. I heard that well, see, it I'm, will definitely be over by October. I don't know. I think, I think, I think we just don't know. I think yeah. that's the, that's the fear uh, uh, overall with all of this mm-hmm. is we're, we're in such 
unknown territory of streaming and AI Mm -hmm. and what these execs have done and how they've made so much money and have not been transparent. Yeah. Um, That non-transparency is a big deal to me. It's a very big deal. And you can't even take a look at what the numbers are to justify you not giving us this. It's like, what do you mean? I can't see the numbers. Yeah. And, and actors have to consider where they're putting their content because now some of these places are closing shop and they're just getting rid of content. They're Mm. just taking it off forever and they own it. Mm. So when they take it off their platform, you don't exist anymore. The work you put out there doesn't even exist anymore. So yeah. that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I just think the South. Yeah. I think that um, the more solidarity, the better, the more you take the, you know, um, the waivers, the better. I, I just think that the more big name people do it, the better, you know, they're the ones that are not, su- they're not suffering. Like, I don't know how many members there are in SAG or, or the WGA right now, but we do know that the income um, kind of mirrors that in the real world. You got the top, mm-hmm. what, 1%? <laughs> mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's millionaires, and then you have everybody else. And mm-hmm. so um, the Brad Pitts and the Viola Davises and Shonda Rhimes and all, all of them can afford to just sit back. You know, they really can. And so I know that they've all been very, very supportive of the strikes, but you do have some other A-listers out there who may not be as vocal or or supportive and they really don't need to, they don't need the money. So it's like, you got to hang back for the people that actually need the money. Um, I mean, there's a similar hierarchy in sports and tennis. You only have so many people that are, you know, the Serena's and the Roger Federer's and all those people that are making all the money. Then you have everybody else that is just struggling um, from tournament to tournament, barely making ends meet. Mm-hmm. And so when they decide to stand up for the people that aren't making the money, it makes it better for the whole sport. So it's the yeah. same thing with SAG-AFTRA and um, the WGA. Yeah. You, need, you need the people that, are, that have gone through the fire and made it to the top. You need them to really stand, be like, listen, we are not going to work. If they yeah. do that, then we can really get through this sooner rather than later. That's my, that's my opinion. I agree. Well, I mean, I hope that the, the both guilds get exactly what they deserve because when I see people who are saying things like, well, they already make so much money and the average American doesn't make this. I'm like, yeah, but don't, why are you looking at it like that? Why are you, why aren't you looking at what they're making off these people? Like if they're making this much money off of these shows, the execs, why wouldn't the actors and the writers get a fair cut? And if you're so salty with me, is it because you can't ask for more money for in your industry? So then I shouldn't ask for more money? Like, is it just a bitterness? Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. It's just a misrepresentation and a misunderstanding of what's actually going on out here. It's like when people get upset that athletes are asking for more. Yes, Holly, you're absolutely right. If you can afford to give someone a $50 million contract, how much money do you think that person that's offered a $50 million contract is actually worth? There you go. Think about it, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, they just don't know. They have this idea that actors are just out here killing the game. Someone said, I saw on Twitter, was like, she was surprised that, um, not Viola Davis, who was that that said they barely made any money off of something? Oh, I can't think right now. But anyway, it's a person that said, 
what? I can't believe it because I was in the Spider-Man movie. I only have one line and I'm still getting like big checks. I said, listen to what you, I responded, listen to what you just said. You're in a movie that globally, I'm sure passed a billion dollars. So your, your residual checks are going to be bigger than a person that's doing a streaming television show. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. She's like, oh, I understand, but it's not fair. I'm like, duh, that's what we're talking about right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you when know? the man he plays a janitor in Abbott Elementary, you saw the article and he said, I got my streaming residual check versus mm-hmm. just regular ABC. He said one was for three cents and one was for five cents. And he plays Mr. Whatever his name is, Johnson yeah. or Jones or whatever, on Abbott Elementary. And that's the streaming residual check you got for three cents? Five cents and three cents. Yeah, I have one for two cents over here. I'm look, I, I, I keep she looking. got a, a negative check. She got check that was- what does that even mean, though? Because I'm like, she what do you a, do with that? She you got just a check that minus two <laughs> That is nuts. So, yeah, y'all don't know what you're talking about. Just shut up. <laughs> you know? So, TB in the comments section, he's written a couple of things. He goes, I haven't watched soaps since I was a teen. No one I know watches them. I wonder who does. Older people do. Yeah, they do. Um, and I like to imagine this strike might help the international actors one day. See, that's the thing. It's like, what happened to that whole a threat to injustice anywhere is a threat to injustice everywhere. Right. It's going to come to you. It's, mm-hmm. it's When we see stuff going on somewhere uh, in any level of injustice, we always see it comes here. Only yes. a matter of time. It's only oh. a matter of time. It's the truth. You know, like, well, I'm, I'm, good. I'm good. You, you, you know, take care of yourself. Like, Okay. There should be a T-shirt that says that because that's the mentality that is fucked up right now. I'm good. I'm good. You good? Remember COVID? That was the biggest lesson of COVID Mm -hmm. that we have all ignored. I feel like we have forgotten, I should say. People have short-term memories. Wow. I mean, it was 2020. It was just three years ago that we were like, oh, that's in Wuhan. Remember? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's in... That's over there. That's in Europe. It's not coming. It's in Italy. Mm-hmm. And then we were like, you think? Yeah, but like flights exist. You know what I mean? I'm like, you ever heard about an airplane? <laughs> like no. people be flying. You know what I mean? Like everywhere, all the time. <laughs> yes. Thousands of flights every day. Like what? Yes. While we're talking about COVID, I should mention this is a pretty good article because I know I'm one of the few that still wears a mask and everyone always looks at me like I'm crazy. Yeah. I even have to address it on stage because I take off my mask on stage. And I do that purposely to show people that I'm one of the few that still wears a mask. Mm-hmm. And I and I support the ones in the audience who are wearing a mask because comedians have a tendency, even though they're joking, um, to make fun of things that could be a health risk to others. Yeah. So like a lot of times they'll make fun of someone in the audience who's wearing a mask. And I, I get I get so vis- like angry because I'm like, you don't know what's going on with that person. You it's it's very like I'm good. What's going on with you? You oh, don't you know. You sick of something? And if I was, you would what? What if I was and sick? Then what? what? And then what? <laughs> then they'd freak out. But yeah. the CDC sees signs of a late summer COVID wave. After roughly six, seven months of steady declines, things are starting to tick back up again. Dr. Brendan Jackson says the CDC COVID nineteen incident manager early indicators have gone up over the past several weeks and the overall rise of hospitalization 
hospitalization. The amount of coronavirus being detected in wastewater. Oh, I hate to have that job. The percentage of people testing positive for the virus and the number of people seeking care for COVID-19 at emergency rooms all started increasing in early July. Mm. It's jumped 10%. Hospitalizations have jumped 10% to 7,109 for the week ending July 15th from 6,444 the previous week. And according to the latest CDC data, spreading the most in the Southeast and the least in the Midwest. Overall, the numbers remain very low compared to the last three summers. Most of the hospitalizations are among older people and immune compromised individuals. And whenever they say that, I feel like people go, oh, that's not me. Right. But those are still people. It's it's someone that's immune (laughs) compromised. Oh, well, I bought a, a handy little thing that I learned off of a line uh, called my own pure, my own personal purifier. So you take it when you're traveling, you put it on, the, you take it with you on the subway. I wish I had it. It's not sitting here at my desk. I should have thought about it before now. But um, it's really cute. It's just like, like this. And it, it, it protects you within nine feet. So, you know, I have like, I have one for my grandmother, a real one. At, at home, and I also built one of those corgi boxes for her mm-hmm. because she is 96. And so I still make all the nurses and people who come, her physical therapist, anybody who comes in, her, um, you know, assistants. I'm like, mask, they, I get on their nerves. So I'm like, mask up, she's 96. But anyway, there's a personal one that you can take and you just sit it out, you know, on your little tray table on the plane or you can hold it in your hand on the subway mm. and uh, it just helps to, you know, it's not, nothing is 100%, but it's another layer of protection and it's called pure air, a uh, personal air purifier. Oh, I love that. So they come in black and they come in turquoise. I have a turquoise one and that's, that's not the only company, but I did, one. I did some cost comparison and I think it was 30 bucks. And honestly, I love it. I put it right out. I took it out. And it's not very loud. Um, it charges. You can. It's rechargeable with the USB cord. And I think it's perfect because people are still getting COVID. And people are also getting long COVID. Long COVID is not something you want to have. Mm. So what? where you may not have that many symptoms with COVID, you may just end up with long COVID. I have a friend that still has long COVID yeah. symptoms. And this is, he was one of the first people to get COVID mm. that I knew in my circle. And he's still suffering. So I think that while it is a personal choice, people also just should be smart and wise about what's going on because it is still around. And um, low numbers doesn't mean gone. It's two different things. So um, yeah, I just think you have to, you have to take your own personal, make your personal choices and decisions, but also be smart and be respectful of what other people want to do around you. That's what I do. Perfectly said. Yeah, I was around some people the other day that I normally hang out with, and I was talking about how COVID is making somewhat of a comeback. They looked to me like I was crazy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm really serious. They were like, Holly, like, really? Like, they looked at me like I was a conspiracy theorist. I was like, I'm not lying. Like, I. But you know why they're looking at Because it's not being broadcasted in the news and that no politician wants to touch it because it's one of those topics that makes people uncomfortable and and like you said they 
it's like we've all been traumatized and no one wants to look back at that trauma. Mm -hmm. And so when I wear a mask, I can see some individuals actually it reminds them of that trauma. I've had a woman actually get up and walk out of my show because I was wearing a, I came onto the stage wearing a mask. Oh, wow. It creates some, something in them. It, 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 it means like, and for some, especially if they're white and they are from the other side of the world, you know, Republican, whatever, they think it means that I'm woke or, God forbid. Um, you know, God forbid that I'm woke or, or some type of like, you know, Democrat, you know, cons you know, conspiracy person. So you're right. It's it, it just it's triggering for people and they forget that it's about health. It's about wellness. It's about being kind. Mm -hmm. And it's about like respecting like what you said, Tracy. It's so it's so much about respecting. Mm -hmm. I had someone I've been doing this lately when people start talking crazy to me from the other side. And I and I do see it lately. They'll they, they like to start these conversations to see what you're going to say. And I just yeah, yeah. go, mm hmm, I don't really engage anymore because it's just not worth it. It's a waste of time. It's literally it is a, waste a waste of time because they're just trying to seek attention and get a reaction so then they can unload hate on you. Like, I oh, really yeah. honestly feel like I, I started getting really into Twitter at the very worst time. Like, I started getting into Twitter like a year and a half ago, like yeah. right when it became the cesspool. And I notice a lot of things that people say to me are just completely for reaction. Like if I, there's at least twice a week, I'll have a white man from the other side say, I look like a man. What? You're a man. You know, because that's the way to insult black women is to try oh, yes. and call them a man. And I'm like, well, if I look like a man to you, then everybody must look like a man to you. You know what I mean? Is that, is that really supposed to insult me? That, but it's like, I know exactly what you're thinking. And the fact that you would need to try and insult me, it's like, what is going on with you? Mm -hmm. That you would need to say that. But, you know, like I was, I was uh, on some thread about um, the Florida educational laws, you know, right now. And they were saying, um, look at you, got you always race baiting. And I was like, we're, we're talking about <laughs> education. We're talking about education, no fishing, bait, like what? Like, yeah, yeah and then but you, it's literally race baiting, though. What? What? The the rule, you know, the the new law is race baiting. What are you talking about? Like, it makes no sense the stuff they say. You yeah. know, they don't say yeah. they say stuff that most of it is they want to. Sometimes they know mm -hmm. what they're talking about. The politicians definitely know the yeah. ones that have gone to Harvard and the Yales and everything. They know what they're doing. The mm -hmm. Santas being one of them. But what they also know is that the people that they are controlling, a lot of poor white people, you know, or just, you know, poor people, doesn't, they don't just have to be white, but people who are driven by racism and misogyny, um, they know that they can control them because they're not going to read anything that refutes that. They're not going to go out and seek real information. So mm -hmm. these people use this ignorance. They promote ignorance because they know the group of people that they control are going to buy into it. Ron DeSantis can't tell his people that what he's saying is not true. He knows damn well that what he said is crazy. He can't say that, though, because the folks that watch some of these stations will freak out. So that's why they do that. And then that's why they come on Twitter and all these other places talking this crazy stuff, because it's all about control. Right. 
um, people that don't want to lose power. If you're a white man, would you honestly want to lose power? I'm being serious. Would you want to lose power? No. So that's why a lot of the stuff that goes on goes on. Um, and um, as soon as you push back on something, they say it's race baiting or, you know, oh, you're just pulling the race card. We came here on the race card. We were brought here on the race card. <laughs> so, yes, it's going to be the race card. You were people on the race card. Exactly. While you're talking about that, the civil rights group condemns Soulfest concerts at Georgia Park with giant Confederate carving. Several civil rights groups and advocates have denounced this concert with black performers dubbed Soulfest that is being held at Stone Mountain Park, a venue filled with Confederate imagery, including a giant carving of Confederate leaders. Stone Mountain Park is outside Atlanta, and it was where the KKK marked its rebirth in 1915. It also contains the largest Confederate monument ever crafted and has special protection enshrined in Georgia law for the mountainside sculpture of General Robert E. Lee, Confederate President Jefferson Davis, and General Thomas Jane Stowall Jackson. Now, the park has tried in recent years to, to soften its Confederate legacy. I don't know how you soften that. And promote uh, yeah. its, what do you put a rug on it? I don't know. I'm just going <laughs> What do, you, what do you make it pink and promote itself as a family site and declining revenue. But civil rights groups have said the moves fall way short of what's needed. The SoFest concert series is a way to normalize and sanitize the hateful message of the park, said the Atlanta NAACP president, Richard Rose. Rose said he encouraged two of the bands to pull out of the event, but they told him they were under contract and their music brings people together. Mm. What are we doing, Tracy? Oh, man. I don't know. It's, you know, sometimes you want to feel defeated and you want to feel discouraged because you're like, nothing is changing. You know, they, they want to... Um, they want to say that the Confederacy is part of their history. And I'm like, but do y'all really know the history? You do know you lost. And you do know what was going on. Like, you didn't win, people. You guys um, were treason. Yeah. You were treasonous so, and you lost. Like, what? You lost. I, and you claim to love the country, but you are fighting for a side that did not love the country, that wanted to literally, you know, not be a part of the country. So it's all a bunch of hypocrisy and confusion of, you know, wrapping up history and tradition um, and culture kind of conflating all of those things and what's important. And so um, I think all of this is just trying to make the history of Black people in this country, the, the, the important things that happened um, to Black people in this country and before coming to this country, trying to sanitize it and trying to make it okay for other people to be okay with it. Because it's really about if you really knew the truth behind some of this stuff that's gone on, if you really knew the truth and understood it, if you were remotely a human being, you would not condone it. And that's what they're afraid of. They're afraid of, again, that group of people that they're controlling. They're afraid of that group of people finding out the truth behind a lot of the things that, that have gone on in this country. And so what's the best way, especially children, they don't want the young people to know because they're the ones that have the most hope to be better 
And so if they're not teaching the things in school and if they're not allowing them to go to the soul fest and allowing them to think that everything is okay, or I don't know how much you guys know about the daughters of the Confederacy that way back in the day wanted to, you know, change way back then, change the meaning of um, a lot of these things that we're talking about right now, making it sanitized so that they can accept it. It's not for us. It's for them to accept it so that they won't revolt and be like, wait, we did what? What? You did all of that to those people? So that's what they're trying to avoid. They know that we know and they also know, but they don't want the group that they're controlling to know the truth because then that would cause a bunch of trouble and that would make it um, that would help them lose lose power. And they don't want to do that. So that's twenty. we were getting too close to the truth. We, I feel right. like we were getting too close to a lot of things and they were just like, oh, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. So, the, the, yeah, the whole goal is to normalize white supremacy and soften it and sanitize it for Gen Z. That yes. is their whole goal. Absolutely. I mean, Daughters yeah. of Revolution, they're just moms for liberty right mm-hmm. now. And these moms for liberty, they are dangerous. I call them clan Karenhood. I call them clan mm-hmm. Karenhood. But mm-hmm. they are dangerous. They're the ones that are responsible for changing right down to the textbooks, the curriculum, and public schools all across the country. Yes. Because you know? yes. it makes kids feel bad. But what I always say is that why, why would this make your child feel bad when you have the option of letting your child empathize with white people who were on the right side of history? And said, no, this was not cool. Because there were white people that were fight- that were fighting alongside us in different Absolutely. things. There were white abolitionists. There were white freedom fighters all throughout this time. Why aren't you giving... But the thing is, they're so ignorant of history themselves that they just, I don't want to feel bad. And so they're putting that in their kids. I don't want my kids to feel bad. Well, because you identify with these people. And you don't understand the history of this country. There are lots of white people that were not down with that. Right. You know, and if it's not, if it's just about feeling bad, I mean, they don't want them to feel bad, um, badly, but they also know that if they, if they have any type of empathy, what that may, what the changes, um, what changes may occur because of that. And that's what I'm saying. It's the long-term effect. They don't want to lose power and control. They have to control the narrative. And so the best way to control the narrative is to do what they're doing now. I mean, the one of the worst things that's happened in the last ten years was the dismantling of the um, of the Voting Rights Act, right? Mm-hmm. Because then that gave the Supreme Court. Um, I mean, that gave them all these different states license to do what they were waiting to do. It's like they were waiting to press send on all the things that they did. Mm-hmm. So to me, that was the beginning of the unraveling that's going on right now. Because if you disrupt the Voting Rights Act. So then there's a there's a number of people who are not going to be able to vote. Right. So that's more people in the pool that are going to be able to um, control the narrative. So now you got that. So now it gives you license to control what's going on in the schools and, and everywhere. So that that has been a huge, significant. It's had a lot of um, consequences. Um, the voting rights, the, the VRA it really has. Um, sadly. And so how do we get it back? Well, we got to vote. But how do we get to vote if they've taken us off the roads? You have to really, really, really be diligent. And that's the only way that we can combat this stuff. It starts with voting. People don't want to hear it, but it's true. 
because voting is local. I mean, politics are local. Forget about the presidency. It's all about what's happening locally. Your city council, you know, if you're alderman, if you're in Chicago, wherever you are, that's where- school board meetings. You can go. Exactly. You can go. Exactly. Exactly. Go to go. meeting. Go to town hall meetings. Go to that stuff and stop saying that I ain't never gonna do nothing. No, I ain't doing nothing because well, you ain't doing nothing. You say that I can't stand it. I'm oh like, what God. have you done? But yeah. I'm not forgetting that one day this woman knocked on our door and I actually googled it and researched it. It was true. She's like, I'm your block representative. They have a block representative. That's an elected official, and mm-hmm. she. I we stood there and talked for ten minutes about changes we want to see just from one block, one corner to the next corner. Yep. And I was like, wow, you could run for the block. But yeah. 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 My block association is run by the woman who owns the restaurant downstairs. It's problematic. That is and problematic. I've been, <laughs> and I've been trying to alert everybody that it's a conflict of interest. You can't be a business owner oh. and then claiming to like be in charge of the block association because you have your own interest in mind. You're not thinking yep. about the people who live above the business. That's right. You know, I always bring this up on the show. I mean, most and that, people don't even know who their basic, rep- like the, the big representatives, like of the state, forget about local stuff. People don't even know who they're, you know, okay, so man, who's your, who's your, you know, who's your senator? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Come on. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. all of that stuff affects what you're talking about, the Soul Fest and everything else, the education stuff that's going on in Florida, everything is impacted by local politics, period. Now, I do want to go to this with Sinead O'Connor because I think she's an example of someone who is, uh, I, I loved Sinead O'Connor when Me I was too. young. Um, I was, when I heard she passed, I literally was like, my I sucked in. It's kind of like, like Tina Turner, same. It's just like, you know, like you feel like the world is just losing some really great, great artists. Um, so Americans began to grapple with the na- um, the na- a nationwide epidemic of child abuse in the Catholic parishes and other religious organizations in, tw- in 2002 after a landmark Boston Globe investigation revealed a pattern of misdeeds and cover-ups in Boston that went back decades mm. Ten years earlier, though, Sinead O'Connor became a pop culture pariah in the United States for an on-air protest intended to raise awareness of that exact problem. The backlash to her actions, tearing up a picture of the Pope John Paul II on Saturday Night Live and then shouting, fight the real enemy, was swift. By the way, prominent Americans, including celebrities like Madonna and Joe Pesci, denounced her. Frank Sinatra. Isn't that interesting? Frank Sinatra. Isn't that crazy? Frank Sinatra. Mm-hmm. It's amazing when we look at this, like someone like Frank Sinatra. What are they? It's like, it's kind of like when you, when we had Governor Cuomo going, don't get rid of Columbus Day, you know, because he's Italian. Right, right, right. You know, Frank Sinatra is Italian. It's, it's, it's that, what are you holding on to? Mm-hmm. When you're Irish and like, I remember my ex boyfriend, this was like two whites ago. And his Irish mother <laughs> was like, don't talk about the Catholic Church. We don't talk about the Catholic Church. It's like, no, that's the problem. Yeah. And Sinead O'Connor brought this to America when we were turning a blind eye to what was happening to our children, to your children. Mm-hmm. What is it? What is th- 
We have to examine what that is when we turn a blind eye to abuse of children because of what are, what are we holding on to? I, I, well, it's insane because I'm so glad you brought this topic up because just this past weekend, my son, you know, he's 11. We, was, we were talking about why do so, why has church gone down? The, the regular people, the church goers and people who go to church and I mean, go to all around the world, go to temple, go to synagogue, go to church, you know, and it was like, why people turned away from God? And, you know, I'm very blunt with my kids. I was like, because somebody who represented God tried to screw them. That's why. A lot of people in all different types of religions and walks of life have had somebody that was related to God try to uh, get kind of rapey with them. And right. when you get rapey in one way or another. And so people grow up and they're like, you know, I just, I don't even want to be a part of it. And I think a lot of people do, couldn't even put their finger on it, but I think it's very true. And so when Sinead O'Connor was like, rip, rip, I never get that night it happened. I remember the night it happened. Yeah, on Twitch, she did that on SNL, and I had Catholic friends. They're like, "Oh my God, she's done!" And I didn't think it was that big of a deal, but I, evidently it was. Uh, but yeah, to see decade after decade after decade of just blatant abuse, and to actually have the temerity to be angry with her, it's mm -hmm. like, wow, you really just don't care about children. You don't care. Yeah. Just don't say you care. You don't care. Right. Well, they've proven throughout history that they really don't care about, I mean, about children. I think that it's interesting when something like that happens um, to someone, you know, people want you to be polite in the way you protest and the way that you bring, you know, awareness to a particular issue. And you can't be polite when, when there's a problem um, and you feel, com you feel very, very passionately about it. The only way that you're going to get people to know is you got to do something that's bold. You got to make a bold move. There's never been any change in this history throughout the history of this country or even world that has happened because somebody was polite, because somebody asked, oh, may I please, sir, may I please, sir, stop being lynched? You know, uh, may I please, sir, stop, you know, police brutality? No. And so there's no time in history when, when any change has ever come because it was polite. And so she was ahead of her time with that. Um, people jumped on the bandwagon because that's what people do. People were jumped on the bandwagon for monetary reasons, mostly, especially when you're talking about in the entertainment industry. Mm -hmm. I, I'm sorry, but a lot of people, I'm not going to ascribe a number to it, but the majority of the people are not jumping on bandwagons because it fits their ideology. It's because it doesn't fit their pocketbook. And so... Um, she was ahead of her time and it caught up and where there is smoke, there is fire always. You know, that is an idiom that has, 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 has borne truth in a lot of instances. And mm -hmm. so, um, you know, yeah, it was a bold move because people wanted to say the reason why people are having issues with God, Holly, I agree with what you said to your son, but it's because they are not holding man responsible for the things. It got nothing to do with God. It's the Catholic church. These are men. These are people, human beings. And so yeah. when you hold Whenever men have too much power, Whenever men that's have too right. much power. Whether it's a preacher, a Baptist preacher, whether it is a, a Jewish rabbi, whether mm -hmm. it's a Catholic priest or mm -hmm. a Pope, when you give all that power to a man and you put a man up on a pedestal, you don't want to believe that what people are saying or accusing them of is true. 
Mm-hmm. And so for the longest time, that's what was going on with Catholicism. And so no one wanted to believe that. No, you can't tell me that these men who are supposed to be religious and supposed to be upholding, you know, um, sacraments could be doing something to children. But when you got a bunch of grown men who ain't never had sex or who ain't had sex in a thousand years around people uh, who are vulnerable, what you think is going to happen sometimes? When people have blanket power, when people have blanket, look at the Supreme Court. When people have blanket power, like, look what happens. Look what happens. And there, and there'll be, and you even see Judge Alito and people say, there's nothing you can do. Straight, right to your play in your face. There's nothing you can do. Now, TB says in the comments section, it was what happened to Kathy Griffin with the head thing. The people who should support you never do and then never apologize. Never apologize. Mm-hmm. And she, I mean, it's the same thing happened to uh, Jamel Hill, sort of. You know, ESPN let her go for saying that Donald, Donald Trump was a white supremacist. Well, guess what <laughs> we found out? No one ever came back and apologized to her because, you know, they're looking at their pocketbook. They're also looking at their investors. They're looking at a lot of people that look like them, right? They're homies off on the, out on a golf course. They're like, no, you're going to let her, you're going to let this black woman say this thing about one of us? Uh-uh, that cannot happen. So I think it's so easy to support someone when it seems comfortable. That's not when people need support. You can tell someone that maybe I'm, I'm not, I wasn't so crazy about the way you did it. You may disagree with all of that, but it's what we were saying earlier about Shikari. People need support when they need it. And to abandon someone like that and then it ends up being the truth. And then now posthumously, you want to say, oh, this is what she did. It's too late. She's gone. Did y'all say that when she was here? Did yeah. You that what she did was was a cool thing when she was here. No. So. And she was a frequent presence at street protests mm-hmm. and charity events for a range of social causes, including abortion rights, mm-hmm. a, pr- a procedure she publicly said she had undergone and equal rights for people of color, migrants, LGBTQ. Um, and, and you know, it's really just her ending is so sad because she lost her son just yeah. a year before. And you know that there was some depression that was going on. And you also sense that her upbringing, you know, when you really hear about how she was, you know, what they did in Ireland with girls um, and how they put them away into these like churches or you know, they kind of like, just here you go. Yes. You know, put a, put, you know, if they have any spirit in them, if they have any passion in them, because this is really what this is about is like women who have voice, who right. have power in their voices and use it and how we try to silence them. And, and that's really what Sinead, I feel she represents. And when I, when I heard her sing, the first time I heard her sing, I heard it. I heard it in her voice. Artists today, not to, you know, but that type of feeling, you cannot deny when you hear it. Uh, there's so much pop music. Uh, there's so much commercialization. <laughs> but there's a reason for that, too. And, you know, that's a whole other conversation is what are we what are we doing with our real artists, a real true artist? What is art really born out of? It's pain. It's culture. And that's what we're responding to when we see it. And lately, I just, I don't see enough of that. I don't know if that's just because I'm older and I'm just, you know, falling into that older generation. Well, in our generation, we had more of this. 
Sinead O'Connor did represent that that authentic voice of pain, struggle, and you just couldn't deny it when you heard her sing. You were like, what is that? That's, whoa. When you hear U2, you know, Black people respond to U2 because it has that similar, um, that spiritualness to it that comes through in the music. No, you're right. Well, it's not uh, songs that, and, and material that, that are really, that's saying something is not commercial enough and it always comes down to the bottom line. So you have those performers that are out there, those artists that are out there making that. They're there. They're there, Marina. Um, uh, the No Name comes to mind. There's a rapper called No Name from Chicago, actually. And um, she is really about that life, you know, about um, really talking about stuff that means something. But how, how commercial is she? How much is she going to... How much is she going to be promoted? She's been out for a while too. She's like really? 30 years old. Wow. So it's like, which is not over the hill, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. A lot of the rappers now, like 2020. Yeah. So I think that it's about, it's always been like that. I mean, we had artists that were just about saying something and how much were they promoted over the ones who were just really out to, you know, <laughs> with the hot anthem, with the hot beat. You know what I mean? So I think that's always going to be a thing because it's always about the bottom line with the executives and stuff. And yes. in order to get the material out there that's actually saying something, you have to have another avenue, independent productions and all that stuff. Um, I do agree with you that it's quite sad the way her, I really still really don't understand what happened with her life and how she passed away. But I think it is sad that someone doesn't get her just due or his just due when they are here. Um, and, you know, it's all this posthumous, like, oh, what they did was so great. I mean, Colin Kaepernick's going to get it one day, you know, hopefully maybe before he passes away, whenever that is, whether it's 50 years from now, or 70 years from now, but someone's going to be like, oh, what he did was so great. Muhammad Ali, you know, same thing. John, remember John Carlos and, and Tommy Smith um, at the Olympics. I mean, it's always, you know, years later, or maybe never even get their just due um, while they're here, or maybe when, by the time they're old, too old to even <laughs> be appreciated or appreciate the recognition. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's always going to be people who are pioneers of, of struggle and protest. So, well, I can see a definite switch, and I think you're right, Tracy. I, I mean, these people don't get their due at all. Mm -hmm. uh, but I do see a definite switch and I'm not a musician, but I see a definite switch in the music industry when we started taking music out of schools and then just the rise of these like music competition shows. Now we've always had the Apollo and things like that, but like you taking music and music, I remember, I remember, about you guys, I remember having music in school, just music class and learning what melodies were and what a bridge was and what a hook was and what the notes were and the textbooks and everything and instruments and lessons. And then, like, who's this big on American Idol? Well, who's in The Voice? And so it just gets very much into, instead of, like, nurturing the artistry of somebody, just, like, who's winning this competition? And then we go with that person, you know? And I just kind of feel yeah. like that's not really what music is. Mm -hmm. And this has been an amazing conversation amongst women, which is our point of the podcast, which is why we do this because, and uh, just so you know, TB mentions also, it also reminds me of what happens with Tiffany Cross recently. Mm -hmm. No one of status 
at MSNBC lifted a finger to help They'd be very angry. I loved her show. My whole family, we watched that show every weekend. We watched her on Saturday and Jonathan Capehart on Sunday. Like, that's what we did. And Joy all week. (laughs) My kids are sick of MSNBC. But, like, that's what we did. And she was really wonderful. And I felt like she really got punished for just being honest. And the thing that was true, because then what happened to the man that she said it about like two months later, he's fired. Mm-hmm. Right. So they, they, they took up for her for something that she said. They said it was several things, but, you know, it basically came down to the same thing. She said something disparaging about white supremacy or Tucker Carlson or whatever, some something, you know, speaking out against racism and they fired her. And then he gets fired yeah. a couple of months later. So, yeah. Like, I would have liked to see an ice cube with Tiffany Cross, not with Tucker Carlson. <laughs> wow. Talk to Tiffany Cross. Why are you talking to Tucker Carlson? I know it's another show, but I'm just, yeah. that, that got me. That got no, me, this in, my has been, this that got me was... in my chest. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a wonderful conversation. We'll have to leave it there. I want to thank you both so much for being on Friends Like Us. I'll start with you, Holly. Where can our listeners find you? Well, you can find me on IG, Holly Harper 5, the number five. It's Holly with an IE. You can find me on the book face. Uh, I love <laughs> just that. Holly Harper. And on Twitter, I'm Holly Harper. I'm also on Spill and Threads. I'm trying to get the hang of it. Trying. But uh, yeah, that's where I am. And with friends like us, you always going to get some good conversation. That is true. Thank you, Holly. Tracy. Thank you. Hey, so you can find me across all social media um, platforms under Tracy Lauren, T R A C E E Lauren, L O R A N. Don't spell it wrong. My mother will not be happy about that. <laughs> and with friends like us, you always know when it's time. Time to stop wearing those pants. Time to leave the man alone. Time to stop eating so much. You know, you just always know when. <laughs> yes. Yes. Thank you so much. Marina Franklin here. Just go to my website, marinafranklin.com. And I want to thank TB and Stacy for being backstage and watching us. So don't forget, if you are on Patreon and you are a subscriber and you're a golden friend, you get to watch us every Monday. We record 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can watch. You can comment in the comment section. And you get to see all the unedited stuff. So thank you, TB and Stacy, for being here. TB says, excellent show. As always, more people need to take advantage of the backstage access. Thank you, Marina, for letting me in today. School will start in a month, and I'll be back to my regular tier. TB, you've been here every single week. And I just wanted to thank you for that by offering you this because you are a friend and with friends like us we have more and more friends who stay woke and i'm not afraid to say it thank you check Check us us out. out